The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Gentlemen, folks, the Habs win over the Philadelphia Flyers in Philly less than 24 hours after they finished playing their previous game and losing in a shootout. They beat the Philadelphia Flyers 4-3 to in overtime. Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and I am fired up, folks. That was a nice, exciting game. Uh, it's a win. Uh, it was looking like it was going to be a loss there, it, it, definitely towards the end. Certainly, the last minute of the game was a little bit dicey, 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 but uh, <laughs> they pulled it off, and um, I, I could not be more impressed by the battle back that the team showed in that game, uh, especially as we go into our recap here. The first period, not super sparkly clean there, definitely not. Mike Hoffman took a very early penalty in the game. And uh, it was actually a great kill by the Habs, but after that, they kind of looked pretty flat. They looked like a team that played the night before and had to deal with travel plus daylight savings time. And, of course, later on in the period, Travis Sanheim throws it across the ice over to Kevin Hayes, who's down tight in against Samuel Moltambo, puts it in, makes it one nothing for the Flyers. Just really bad rush defense by the Habs there. They looked disorganized uh, against the rush that Philly was putting on them, and they looked disorganized against that rush for the bulk of that period. However, they started getting better as that period went on, almost like they were getting their legs under them a little bit, and by the end of the period, they were actually leading 11-9 in shots, uh, but they couldn't get anything past Carter Hart, but looking better than they were for the first half of the period, for sure. Now, we get into the second period. Early in that period, Brennan Gallagher draws a penalty, uh, works pretty well. Cole Caulfield throws it across the ice, uh, up high to Nick Suzuki, who's at the point he shoots through traffic, gets it through Carter Hart. It makes it 1-1. The entire Philly team on the kill there seemed like they were gravitating towards the Caulfield shot. They were worried about that Caulfield shot, and they seemed to forget that Nick Suzuki, at the other end, he can fling it. If they figure out how to make that pairing work like that regularly on the power play, look out. Because right now you have two different shot threats, and uh, you know I'd say Caulfield is the greater shot threat, which is why Philly was gravitating towards him. But if you forget about Nick Suzuki for long enough, he's going to burn you like he did there. And it's 1-1. About five minutes later, however, there's a breakdown. Jeff Petrie, uh, for some reason, can't make a play behind his own uh, goal line. and Gets a takeaway for Philly. It gets over to Claude Giroux in front of the net, and he makes it 2-1. to one. Uh, But not long after that, guess who again? Nick Suzuki. Comes in on the right side, shoots, gets a rebound directly into the slot. He cuts into the slot himself, picks it up, fires it in, far side, and makes it 2-2. Two 
that is how the second period would end. And again, um, Habs looking better and better as this game goes on. Pretty rough start. Got a little bit better in the first. Much better in the second outside of that one breakdown. Right? Clearly the better team at this point. But of course, three minutes into the period, Corey Schooneman gets a little bit too aggressive at the defensive blue line. Chris Weidman left basically all alone to, to D up two guys, and he clearly was just turned around, didn't know what to do. And Cam Atkinson ends up scoring, makes it 3-2 to two for the Flyers, and it looked like that was going to be the final score. It really did, because with exactly one minute left in the period, Chris Weidman takes a bad interference penalty, a bad one on Joel Farabee. They initially uh, called it a five-minute major. Uh, but then they looked at it and they said, no, it's a deuce, uh, which I like that. Um, I'm going to give some credit to the officials there. At least they switched it up and they didn't call the five. Now, I, I have to mention that I don't know why they called the five in the first place. It's almost like they called the five just so they could review it because they didn't see it. But I don't want to split hairs here. They got the right call in the end. It was definitely a two-minute for interference. And uh, so the Habs, you know, with one minute left on the clock, they had their goaltender pulled to try and get the equalizer. And now they have to deal with a penalty kill. But the waiver god, Rem Pitlick, just comes streaking in on the left side of the ice. And Ben Sherratt, some unbelievable work by Ben Sherratt down low in the Flyers zone, throws it across, gets it to the waiver guard, Rem Pitlick. He puts it in, makes it 3-3, three to three, and we're going to overtime. But the start of overtime, obviously the Habs are shorthanded still. They're still killing off that Weidman penalty. Great job again on the kill. This time with a 4-on-3 power play, they managed to kill it off. And then we start getting some chances back and forth. Right, it's looking like a three-on-three overtime, much better than the overtime that we saw last night, right? And I'm expecting the Habs to end up losing this game because, of course, they're tired. Like I said, they played less than 24 hours ago. Uh, they had to travel. They had daylight savings time. There's a lot of reasons why you could make excuses for them to lose this game, but, but, Rem Pitlick, the waiver god, again, throws it to the right side. To Cole Caulfield. And folks, let me tell you, there are some goals that you want to make a GIF and then frame it and put it on the ceiling in your fucking bedroom so that you can look at it every night before you go to sleep. And folks, this is one of them. This is one of them for, for me at least. Because Cole Caulfield comes in on the right side as a right-handed shot, tells everybody in the building, I'm taking a slap shot. I mean, he gets a big old wind-up on it. And he's looking at the net. It's He is advertising to everyone in the fucking building that he's going to take a slap shot. And he does. And he goes short side, top cheese with it. The audacity of that shot from Cole Caulfield. I would like to frame that. I would like to frame it. I'd like to have a copy on the ceiling of my bedroom so I can see it before I go to sleep at night. I'd like to have a copy in my office so that when I'm having a bad day at work, I could take a look at that and just remember that it happened. I, nothing gets me going like a short side clapper like that where you literally tell everybody in the building you're going to do it and then you still do it and you end up getting it through. Christ. Amazing. Amazing. Great game from the Montreal Canadiens. And I got a lot of candidates that I could go to here for my player of the game. Uh, Cole Caulfield, definitely one of them. Um, he, he was all over the place. He was everywhere. Um, obviously scored the overtime goal. And again, one of the prettier goals ever. One of my favorite goals that a player can possibly score. 
when they just give up exactly what it is they're going to do and then do it anyways, but not going to give it to him. Definitely tempted to give it to Rem Pitlick as well. What a game from Rem Pitlick, man. What uh, what an addition to this team he's been coming off waivers. I've talked about him before. He's incredibly quick. Um, honestly, I think this is a guy we need to hang on to through the course of this season. Resign him for next year and see what he can do. Right, Especially if he gets a full training camp with the team and gets to really you know, immerse himself in the Montreal Canadiens and find uh, a home, find some line mates that he's comfortable with on a regular basis, it'd be great. But I'm not going to give it to him either. Very tempted to give it to Ben Chirot. Ben Chirot had a great game. Obviously, instrumental in the tying goal, set it up for Rem Pitlick. Rem Pitlick had a pretty easy time scoring that goal. All he had to do was just skate hard to the net, and Ben Chirot put it on a platter for him. Um, really good work from Ben Chirot. I think if anything was going to increase his trade value, it would have been that game. There are rumors that we're trying to get um, uh, Jacob Belzi from Calgary uh, in a trade for Chirot. That's the kind of game that might help you uh, convince Calgary to make that trade. But I'm not going to give it to him either. I got to give it to Nick Suzuki. Two goal night for Nick Suzuki. Looked fantastic in that game. Absolutely fantastic. This is the future of the Montreal Canadiens, him and Cole Caulfield. Again, I've talked about this before. Those are two guys that you absolutely do not trade. You need them as part of your rebuild. Nick Suzuki is on a contract now with an AAV of, what, $7.8 million, I think. I might have to go and double-check that. I'm going to pull up my phone and double-check it while I'm talking. But I was talking about this earlier with Jared Book and Nathan Nee at Eyes on the Prize. If Nick Suzuki does what he's doing this season without that contract already being signed, what would he sign for? Because I don't think it would be $7.8 million. And I was right. The actual AAV is $7.875 million. I think if he does, because number one, now that kakanyemi has gone, right, he has more leverage. He's a lot more important to this team now. They absolutely need him as part of the rebuild. So if he goes into this season and doesn't have that contract, right? What would we sign him for? I think it would definitely be over eight, especially when you look at what he's doing this season on a completely gimped team. Like they're hobbled, right? They're a ton of injuries. They had a ton of COVID absences. Uh, they lost Karkanyemi. Price probably not going to play this season. Maybe he does, uh, but as far as we know, it's. It, I mean, if certainly he's not dragging them into the playoffs at this point. Right, the rotating cast of supporting goaltenders they had to bring in Andrew Hammond just to slow the bleeding because even Jake Allen can't play for them right now. And up front, they've been decimated by injuries, decimated by COVID absences on defense, pretty much everywhere. Right, they had brutal coaching for the first half of the year. The, everything was there to say that Nick Suzuki could have, you know, the worst statistical season of his career, and the numbers that he's putting up right now. Through 82 games, he'd be on a, at least a 60-point pace. And if you factor in the fact that since the coaching change, his pace has gone up considerably, who knows, man? I don't know what he's going to finish with. He's on pace for 60. It might be more than that. I, I seriously think if he didn't have that deal and we, did, we were doing that deal at the end of this season instead, we'd be in for a, a much more difficult-to-stomach number than 7.875 AAV. We might be looking at closer to nine. Who knows? If he ends up putting up 70 points this season, right? If this, this new pace continues and he ends up 70 or 70 plus, something like that. 
there's a case for his agent to sit down there and go, you know what? I want nine. This is what we want. We're going to sign for nine. We'll, we'll get, take the eight-year term, whatever. But we want nine million, right? I think that contract is going to end up be being maybe the best parting gift that Marc Bergevin could have given this team. Let's be honest. I was harsh on Bergevin. I always was. I wanted him fired years ago. But his tenure was not a complete, you know, decimation of the Montreal Canadiens. There were some good things that came out of it. And I think that contract for Nick Suzuki is going to be one of those good things. I legitimately believe as the cap continues to go up and as he continues to get better and as the chemistry between him and Cole Caulfield continues to get better, that deal is going to look better and better. And um, thrilled. Honestly, thrilled with that game. Thrilled with Nick Suzuki there, so he gets player of the game. Um, What a game. What a game. I was entertained. What I've been asking for all season is like, listen, if we're going to finish in the basement, let's at least have some entertaining games. And and that was one of them. Got to say, very happy that I sat down and watched that. Um, I'm going to cut it off there. I'm a little bit sick, um, so I probably need to go to bed. I got work tomorrow. I'm old. I'm 32. (laughs) We're running... Uh, a little over 13 minutes, so grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow, I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening, and of course, à la prochaine.